right now, we have the distinct pleasure of visiting with the Dirt Doctor. Good morning, Howard Garrett. Good morning. How's everybody? I think everybody down here is uh, a little foggy, uh, very damp on the surface and dry underneath, and maybe not quite in as good voice as I hear Tater is this morning, but uh, we're doing well. Yeah, he was in a good mood. I uh, missed the first call, and he let us know for sure. It's, uh, I tell you, it's uh, springtime here. I'm looking out the window at my buckeyes, which are fully leafed out. My hellebores are in full bloom, and my oak leaf hydrangea has uh, not only buds, but the leaves are opening. I guess it's even further along down there. Well, probably about the same, actually. We've got a lot of... A lot of things in beautiful bloom, the ornamental peaches and plums. The mount laurels are just starting down here, but uh, out in the country, the agaritas in bloom. It's it's a very fragrant time of the year for people that have done a good job of their landscapes. And uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, the, I have my uh, agaritas not blooming yet, so you all are ahead of yeah, us there. Yeah, probably a little bit. Well, and looking at my ranch, it's funny. You know, my ranch is 20 miles away from Roberta's. I was over doing a couple of things for her on my way home yesterday and hers are in full bloom mine are just big buds so it's amazing the little microclimates you get and i know in the metroplex you probably see this same exact thing you're over there near white rock lake and sometimes things are just totally different than they are in in other parts of town yeah it really does make a difference but boy it's it's moving right along we had drizzly rain the last couple of days uh, but it's pretty warm now and gonna get warmer tomorrow so things really will break here and you know probably we haven't had the last freezing yet so it's It's supposed to be yeah supposed to be upper 30s in the hill country tonight so i'm i'm not setting my tomato plants out yet but you know it's uh unless people have really jumped the gun i i don't they're not things are not going to be harm to things that are in flower now a little light frost you know 28 degrees i i don't think that'll cause a problem and uh Hopefully that super cold air will stay bottled up up north. I think it was 12 below zero in Wyoming yesterday when I checked in with my friends up there, but uh, that's why we live in Texas. Yeah, they've had some rough weather. It's been uh, not not fun in the uh, in the north and out west. Too. Logan, uh, they're in Mexico now, but they uh, told us that they had really heavy rain in Prescott, so it's I mean, heavy snow in Prescott, so it's been all over. Yeah, they said it even uh, shut things down in Las Vegas. They had snow yeah. out there, and uh, boy, you get out in the Sierra Nevadas, and they're they're measuring it in uh, in feet, not in inches. I think they were expecting. I can't imagine snow coming down this hard, but they were saying they expected five to six feet of snow in one night out there recently. So. Anyway, I hope it puts lots of good moisture in the ground for our folks out west, and maybe forest fires won't be as much of an issue. But uh, back home, it's it's I, we're seeing a few issues in that the soil's really relatively dry because we haven't had any thorough soaking rains in quite a while. But uh, we haven't had any sunshine. I think that's what we need most of is just some good bright light to really really get spring started down here. Yeah, I think it'll going to happen the next couple of days so get ready don't move fast <laughs> well i've been buying geraniums and petunias and gerber daisies and all sorts of fun things in anticipation of it so how was big event last weekend it was good uh, the uh, belt and uh, mother earth news fair a lot of a lot of people there we 
we had a great experience. We did something for the first time. I think I told you what we were going to do. We had a booth and yeah. took some of my art down there. Had good response. Sold a few pieces to raise a little money for uh, Torque Texas Organic Research Center. A lot of people joined uh, joined up and uh, also signed up for the course. We had a real run, so it's kind of a worthwhile deal for us and really. Really talked to a lot of people. A lot of folks came by. And we, uh, in fact, several of them came by and said they uh, heard about it <laughs> from uh, you and me talking about it on your show. So well, that's a good thing. Huh? The help. Well, gosh, what a worthwhile thing to support. And sounds like a good event. It's just you know, it's, as you well know, it's hard getting out of town on the weekends. But uh, it's so much more than than just plants and people. Uh, they've got a home and garden show going down here. I think it might be this week, and I've had several people ask me about that, and they just, I just wouldn't give you two cents for them. They're about, you know, 50% home, 5% garden, and, you know, 35 or 45% magic mops and antique sales. I, I've become real discouraged with most of the home and garden shows, but this Mother Earth News, their show's they just bring a lot of diversity and just a, a lot of good, interesting things to the table. So I, it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, the home and garden shows are kind of slicer and dicer shows. Yeah. We gave up on them a long time ago, too. The next uh, Mother Earth is Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, Doug's talking about loading up his car and <laughs> driving over there. And I don't know if we'll do it or not, but we're we're talking about it. It's a good show. That's one of the really neat things to see there anybody that has a chance to go to that there's a arboretum there that's just fantastic they got they've got the best uh bonsai exhibit i've ever seen in my really? life i've got some pictures on our website uh, about it but anyway that's the next one uh coming up got some uh interesting news i can't really divulge what the city is but we've got uh one of the uh Three major cities um, around the Dallas-Fort Worth area that uh, hired us to write specs for an organic program for one of their big parks. And oh, fantastic! We just we just got the uh, we got it all to them and we got it in the budget and uh, looks like you know it's not firm and everything. Whatever it is, I'll let people know and maybe some other people will be interested in doing the same. But it looks like it's definitely going to happen and we proved once again we can keep the numbers uh, the same as the you know, toxic chemical approach. It was really fascinating working with them, really fun. They've been great to work with, and, and it just hit me upside the head once again. And it happened at the show at Mother Earth, too, the same thing. Really? How many people we run into and talk to that don't don't understand how to do it yet? You know, you're so programmed to think about synthetic fertilizer and wait till April to, to do it yeah. and spray this to kill that and spray this to kill that and all that. And it's just such a different thought process. And uh, as a result of so many questions, of, even after I did my talk on the natural organic pest control, I would get questions about some specific things that I talked mm -hmm. about in the talk, Yeah, you know, what to do, and uh, quite a few. So there, I could tell there's just it was information overload in a, in a lot of ways. So one of the things that I've decided to do, and I wanted to throw this out because you and Roberta and y'all's whole team and your listeners and everything might be able to help with this uh, uh, this idea. Uh, we've got the Texas Bug Book, of course, mm -hmm. but 
I want to do a, bo- a book, and I've already started doing it, and I, and I can already tell that it, it makes sense because it's going to be e- easier to use than the Texas Bug Book in some ways. I'm going to do a, a book where I've got a little thumbnail of the disease or the insect eating the plant or the holes in the leaf or the yellow in the leaf, whatever it is, you uh-huh. know. And then out beside it, identify what that is in a short, just a short way, and then right under it, the controls. Mm-hmm. And just go th- straight through not only diseases and insects, but I was looking at my uh, red oak tree in the front yard this morning, it's got a real pretty lichen on it, put uh-huh. things like that on yeah. there too, and say, look, lichen, no problem. Yeah. You know, it's doing good stuff. That's that, that sounds like a great idea, and I, I just laugh when you say lichens, because there's rarely a week goes by that people aren't really concerned about this stuff that's just growing all over the bark of their yeah. trees. And with a wet spring and with all the light rain we've had, well, that sounds like a that sounds like a really good idea and and featuring you know too all the the bugs that people may see that are ideally or totally harmless or you know actually beneficial will will be a big thing and uh it, it's just the the other thing that I find myself repeating over and over is that on on trees and shrubs most of the problems that hit them are the result of stress, and most of the time stress is caused by being buried too deeply. It's as simple as that, and I, I just, it, it seems like eventually that word would get out, but kind of like you discovered at uh, your event last weekend, there are just a lot of people that haven't heard it yet. And as one thing I would I would sure suggest with this, uh, with your city park project, and even if it takes a a few of Torx funds, I would sure do some educational signage to go along with it, um, you know, about what's being done and why it's being done. And Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's part of, the, part of the deal, and uh, hopefully it'll spread to, you know, the rest of the park system and to other people as well. And just the fact of how much safer it is for kids and pets that uh, just the fact that there's no – you know, <laughs> words to some effect, don't worry if your kids are rolling in the grass. There's nothing on the grass that's going to harm them in this project. So that's that's very exciting, and uh, uh, we look forward to giving you as much publicity as possible about it when uh, when you're legally free to release a few more of the details. But I really like the idea, you know, of, of this new book and, and directly addressing things that uh, people perceive as problems in the landscape, whether they are or not. I'm getting so many calls about clove, things like that right now, and uh, tell people, hey, just, you know, it's telling you your soil's compacted. It's improving your soil. If you don't like it, mow it. But, golly, I just, uh, you know, I have to venture into those box stores every now and then for lumber and pipes and things like that, and I I just can't stand... uh, you just can't stand the aroma of all the stuff. I can't imagine the people that have to work around all those toxic uh, fumes all day. Yeah, it's not good. Well, I, I really would uh, like to ask everybody if they see any kind of holes uh, in leaves or discoloration of leaves, or whether you know what it is or not, take pictures and send it to us, info at dirtdoctor.com. I've got a ton of stuff myself, but... Just anything anybody else uh, runs across, I think it'll make it where people can go look down through it real quickly and see mm-hmm. that that's a problem or it's not a problem or what it might be uh, related to. And your idea of showing the good and the bad insects uh, through there as a, 
just a quick identification. Oh, that's a good guy, you know. That's a bad guy. That's well, and I I do the same thing for what are perceived as weeds, uh, because I. You know, this year we have a lot of, uh, of, shall we say, green vegetation other than grass because the the conditions are just so right for things to grow, and the turf grass hasn't really started putting on its spring growth. So we're seeing the henbit, we're seeing the the winter grass, we're seeing the dandelions and and all. And uh, I, you know, if there's room, I I think you probably have the same problem I would, and that is that you've got so much material to condense into a reasonable size book but uh i I think weeds would be uh an an interesting short chapter as well yeah we'll see if we can work that in too that gets into a whole long thing by itself but we might be able to put the main main ones in there the one we're having my my uh turf at the office i didn't i didn't try to control it the the rescue grass Mm -hmm. is taken over and we're just mowing it it's just solid almost uh-huh. There and it's uh, it really looks good. The only thing wrong with it is it <laughs> outgrows ryegrass and and other winter grasses so fast growing. Well, and it's just the your basic St. Augustine hadn't started coming out yet. It is interesting. One of the guys that works with us, and he is probably the most regular, is I guess the best way to put it. He always puts compost on his yard once a year or many times twice a year. And he says he has zero weeds. He said all the yards around him are just, you know, a solid mass of rescue grass, dandelions, things like that. And Jerry says, and he's got a fair-sized yard, uh, he he feels like the compost brings in enough natural pre-emergent material that he said it's just not a problem for him. No, I totally agree with that. I just uh, kind of taken the time to do that yeah. myself. So. <laughs> I prayed uh, I tell people do as we say, not as we do, because it sure gets busy. That's exactly right. Well, one of the things that we wrote in the program for the city that I wanted to pass on to that um, uh, it dawned on me in talking to people over and over and over again at the at the fair is that the fertility program that we recommend. Not only does it start early in, earlier in the year, but, you know, what we recommend and we've had the greatest luck with is a combination of dry uh, fertilizer applications and as up to uh, monthly applications of Garrett juice as part of that fertilization program yep. as the budget will allow. And it's kind of interesting. And then we also, on the high intensity on the... Uh, Ball fields, for example, we mm-hmm. put corn gluten meal in. You know, in the, uh, in addition to the fertilizers that we recommend on the general site, where we're not so control concerned about the uh, weeds. But you can do a, a agriculture. We learned that in agriculture. We found out in helping some people with farms and ranches that people could put out a dry molasses mm-hmm. or a dry fertilizer application one time and then do a, a kind of a Garrett juice type spray on a regular basis and have just great success. Well, there's no question about it. And I don't know if it's as much of an issue. We had uh, a fellow down here man- managing a little league ball fields and uh, the good old chiggers, which, uh, you know, are pretty much ubiquitous all over the place. He started using a little bit of cedar oil, and he said it 100% took care of the sugar problem. I don't know if I the, think that's a great idea. It, yeah. but, and it might be something that could be added to the Garrett juice. I don't know whether Garrett juice alone would do it, but uh, and he was doing it, I think he said, twice a year. And we're talking 
areas that are heavily used by by kids that are you know <laughs> with their uh, with their diving leaping uh, acrobatic catches and things like that they're down in the grass a lot and uh he said that they just had zero sugars once they started adding a little bit of cedar oil to it yeah i like that idea plus it smells good anyway yeah. it might even help repel mosquitoes and some other pests as well so it could be, you know, it wouldn't hurt, but it shouldn't hurt beneficials. Mm-hmm. So doing it on a regular basis might be a, a, a great idea. I, it sounds like you're you're on a winning plan there, and uh, um, I will. I'll really look forward to hearing uh, more about it uh, when we can talk more about it because it's that that is a great move forward, and uh, I, I hope I, you know if nothing else, I can't believe that uh, parks and places aren't concerned about the potential litigation issues of putting all the toxic chemicals out on a place where people are going to take their pets and families. Well, they don't realize it's a problem. A lot yeah. of people don't. They're just, uh, you know, they're in their own world, and it hadn't uh, occurred to them that there's a, a difficulty there. Because they hear the guy, the other guys on the radio, and they read the other columns where the people are recommending that sure. stuff. And a lot of times it's university, you know, scientist-type people, and then they see the stuff in the stores, you know, every store they go in, and they say, well, if there's anything wrong with this, they wouldn't be selling it. And that's okay. the biggest problem right there is too many people still trust that, uh, oh, it wouldn't be on the market if it wasn't safe. Yep. <laughs> Boy, that's a long way away from the truth. I heard somebody just the other day refuting our argument about Roundup being so dangerous. I mean, it's just we run into it all the uh, all the time. Well, so, but we'll uh, we won't give up. We'll keep it up. keep up the pressure. When you consider the amount of advertising dollars that those people have, they uh, they're uh, unfortunately there are a lot of people that if they hear it in the on the internet or read it on the uh, internet or wherever else and it, it must be true but golly it's just it's frustrating to have to do it over and over but then you get the person that calls it says man my yard has never been prettier my garden has never been healthier and it's what you and howard tell us to do that makes all the difference and uh, i i we make some progress but but there's some challenges as well one thing i want to ask you before we run out of time question i got early this morning you know we've both had the experience of using that haint blue paint on the underside of our uh, porches and things like that and for me it's it's pretty much almost a hundred percent stop the dirt daubers and stop the wasps but i had a caller talking about the barn swallows and um i i don't know if that will make any difference have you had any any callers because you cover so much larger geographic area than i do what what is your solution when people tell tell you they want to build those mud nests up underneath their porches well i'm looking at it at my eaves right here and they were painted seven years ago Mm -hmm. and they're still clean uh as they can be with the exception of the front where i'm too cavalier about keeping the fig <laughs> ivy <laughs> down off the house. But, uh, no, I haven't seen any birds try to build uh, nests at all, and I've gotten some reports from other people about the fact that it does indeed uh, help specifically with the barn swallows. In fact, it came up originally because people kind of like to have uh, having the birds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I recommend to leave mud dauber nests. So, yep. you know, there's a little bit of a mix, kind of like your conversation about fire ants. You know, there's a little bit of good news and bad news about uh, having 
some of the things that the Hank Blue paint will run off. But it basically keeps things almost 100% clean. Well, I figure I've got a bar and I've got several outbuildings. They can have all the space they want up there. Yep. But yep. Uh, yeah, And I've got to redo it because I just uh, replaced the... Uh, uh, the wood was starting to rot after a hundred years on the balcony around the upstairs of my home, all three sides, and just got that finished up about a week ago. So now it's uh, get back and and paint the underside uh, with that. And and people can't find uh, the light blue. It just it's it's a pretty color, and you really don't even notice it. But uh, you sure. I remember one time Malcolm Beck walked around the house, and he counted and told me I think I had a hundred and thirty-eight wasp nest up on there before i painted it with the blue and i'll bet you in redoing it there weren't two or three nests and that's i you know it's probably 15 years worth of nests so it's uh it really works it's so easy and um and it's kind of a it, it's fun for me because it is a very traditional thing that people have been doing for a long time yeah it's a very pleasing color i think that's one reason that uh developed into being used so much and some people painted more than just their underside of their eaves we yeah. paint a lot of the house and the trim and sometimes i think one of the best uses for it out there and i've never seen anybody do it you know to get photographs of it it's one thing that i need uh, is a boathouse hmm. if you did the inside of a <laughs> boathouse uh with it you know that's one of the places where you have the most spider webs and all kinds of oh, yeah. things growing and uh, getting messy. So I'd love to get, have an experience. We've got at least one development in Dallas. I think we've got more than one uh, way out in the, between McKinney and Dallas, where in the restrictive covenants they've got the paint blue paint uh, required <laughs> when you build a house. That's, That's pretty neat. That really is neat. You know, speaking of requirements, and we've been visiting a lot. In fact, I actually had him on the show uh, last Sunday, Sunday before, the head of uh, Solid Waste for San Antonio because they've got this great new recycling program going on. But I know at one point it was Plano or one of your uh, little suburban communities out actually outlawed putting uh leaves and grass clippings and things like that on the curb is that still in effect or did they go away from that no it was in dallas and that's one of the things that uh i wrote a column about that stirred up a hornet's nest a couple of weeks ago i said you know the, the city of dallas is talking now very seriously about cutting back on their bulk pickup yeah. because of budget issues and i wrote a uh, column in my dallas morning news column about the fact that be very easy to solve it just uh, make it uh, where uh, the bulk uh, tree trimmings has to be ground and left on the properties mm-hmm. it's not going to be picked up by the city and grass isn't going to be picked up by the city and if somebody has a some reason where they can't handle that you know age or have a physical problem or whatever budget or whatever it is they can get a special permit and the city will take that to a composting company, yep. uh, a composting area at the city, and it will stop. It would cut a huge amount of budget out, and people would have a useful uh, tool to use at home that they don't even re- realize is a useful tool right now. Well, and it's just, and it'll it'll actually cut down on the input to maintaining their yards. Here, the uh, city's gone so far as to provide 
bins and things like that. But I'm I'm hoping now that we're working with the city on some of these other issues. And by the way, their their new recycling program for businesses is is really wonderful. But I'm I'm hoping that we can have some discussions about uh, expanding it further because it's just it's so foolish that we're putting landscape and i refuse to call it landscape waste i i call it landscape recycling or whatever else and it just doesn't belong in the landfills well dallas actually did it uh, several years ago and they got so many complaints and they weren't they weren't ready to refute the complaints or to set up that alternative way that i mentioned of uh-huh. you know people that can't physically can't handle it for some place else for it to go so they just started picking it all up again and people i've noticed myself for the last several months the bulk trash just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and oh, bigger yeah. out on the curbs and i could see it was becoming a budget problem well, so, if, well maybe they'll do something good yeah and what people don't realize is that landfill space is expensive and it's going to probably double or triple over the next few years with other environmental requirements so yeah, it may be more expensive in the short run to pick it up, but it's going to be a lot more expensive in the long run to, uh, you know, to dispose of it. So anyway, just uh, one of the one of the many jobs we need to keep calling attention to. But uh, anything else special going on? There's some there's some fun new plants out there for people. Everybody, this is the time of year people get out and visit the nurseries, but there's some new petunia varieties out there that are out of this world. We got in a new Laura Petal, a new Chinese fringe flower, that the blooms are almost red rather than the pink, and there's some more dwarf and spreading forms of that particular plant. There, there's just some fun new stuff out there. That's good. My Johnny Jump Ups and Pansies have his pretty color this year, as I've seen, and they haven't seen sunlight in a while (laughs) and snapdragons do people plant snapdragons in the metroplex some you don't see them a lot Uh, the pansies dianthus and uh, johnny jump ups are what are used the most i've got a purple kale in the front yard Uh in some pots it's really pretty right now and it looked like it had gotten uh, nipped by the uh uh, the last freeze we had was about 25 degrees, and it did get a few things, but uh, didn't it just wilted it a little bit, and it snapped right back. I've got a great big aspar- one of those asparagus ferns that's great big. I think I got it from uh, y'all in Shades of Green years ago, and it stayed outside during the 25-degree mm-hmm. weather, and it didn't hurt it a bit. No, no, it doesn't. It has to go below 20, uh, in our experience, to get much burn at all on it, at least on an organic program. I don't know about people that are still doing it the wrong way. But uh, it's this is, and I'll get Roberta. She's a better photographer than I am, but I'll get her out to do some more photography because this has been just practically the perfect winter for cool-weather bedding plants. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen prettier pansies and jump ups like you mentioned but the snapdragons the petunias the stock the alyssum the ornamental kales and cabbages um, man it, it's just been a beautiful beautiful spring down here so we'll try to get some more of it photographically documented uh for for some of your your many endeavors that uh, you're doing I, i'm really excited about this new book idea that that yeah, sounds like keep, a great thing yeah y'all, everybody keep your phone handy and shoot, give me some shots of uh any kind of strange holes or distortion or anything else to foliage, send it to us, and we'll add it to this uh, book, and hopefully it'll be helpful for everybody. Well, and if you're just starting a running list, you know, we need to be sure we get Sapsucker 
damage oh, yeah. into that list and uh I, i'll start i'll start jotting down things that i think of and send them along and uh, we look forward to helping everywhere we can as always howard had fun as always and we'll see you guys next week we will sure look forward to it and spring will have sprung even further then uh Give the give the ladies in your life a hug and the pets a big uh, a big pat on the back for us. It's always fun to talk to you. Thanks, Bob. Thank Good you, sir. Time. Appreciate it. Bye. All right, Mr. Howard Garrett is the Dirt Doctor. His website, dirtdoctor.com, absolutely the best on the Internet for a wide, wide range of questions and information. His m- several books out there, whether it's herbs, whether it's trees, whether it's a bug book, whether it's vegetable gardening. Oh, it's just uh, his basic organic manual and the big book as well. If you're looking for a gift, if you're trying to get somebody to go organic, you know, yeah, I'd look for some of Howard Barrett books to give to a friend. It'd just be a great, great investment. And uh, and if you're looking for a good nonprofit to support, tax tax deductible, Torque, the Texas Organic Research Center. Uh, you know, I send them I send them a contribution every year, and uh, they they're doing some good things. So anyway, we just appreciate Howard and all that he and his family and his business partner do up there. Right now, good morning, Janie. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Hey, to bother you again. No but bother. I had I told you that I had all that wheat. Mm-hmm. I did exactly as you said. I bought the vinegar. I have everything ready. But my biggest concern is that after I do that and kill the weeds, how long do I have to wait? to plant a flower or whatever I want to plant right there. Oh, five or ten minutes. Oh, really? Yeah. As soon as it's dry, Janie, as soon as it's dry, it's not going to harm a thing. So, uh, you know, no waiting at all. I'd give it maybe 30 minutes to do its job of killing the weeds, but you you plant when you're ready to plant. It doesn't leave any residue behind. That's one of the reasons that it's such a good way to control the weeds. Okay. Now, you keep talking about mulch. Mm-hmm. What kind of mulch is good, or what should I look for to make the dirt better? Well, mulch, of course, we put on the surface of the ground to help hold moisture, to help cool the soil. We don't really work it in. If we're working it into the ground, we're looking for compost. But uh, for mulch, as far as I'm concerned, just cheap and easy uh it's if you're looking for a really good name on mulch uh the sylvan mulch by ladybug is still a good name but uh if you know anybody has a pickup truck you can go up and mount and pick it up free of charge out at the brush dump out there off bitters and uh mulches uh just um i don't like the dyed mulches i don't think the dye is uh real good to have in your landscape but just your own shredded up leaves uh any kind of if you've got a tree trimmer working in the neighborhood tell them to dump some of his chips in your driveway that's those are all things that make great mulches and you don't have to spend a lot of money to get them well i was thinking of buying that molasses and put it on the ground and then put the mulch on top of oh, it Oh, that'd be great that'd be a good thing to do okay then that's what i'll do and yeah. i'll Appreciate your help. And I always enjoy talking to you. You get out and have a good weekend. I'll move on and talk to Ernest. Good morning, Ernest. Good morning. Um, I have a question. I had a real bad problem with my, my back lawn. I had a – it was real nice and pretty, and then all of a sudden last last summer I got some kind of bug, and it killed all my grass. I probably mean, probably grub worms. Yeah, grub – okay, so I treated it and stuff, 
but the grass never came back. So I'm getting a bunch of weeds coming out now. So what I want to do is I want to resaw it. Is that would that be a good good idea to resaw that area? Well, you don't give up on your permanent grass yet because long grasses. This is still February. They haven't really started coming back out. There may be areas that you need to resaw, but it's also an opportunity to look at it and say, "Hey, do I really need to do solid grass, or should I consider maybe some uh, ground covers that aren't as much work? Should I, you know, do I want to?" you know, have a vegetable garden. Maybe I just want to do some mulch in some areas. So I, I wouldn't recommend going back, just resodding fence to fence. Cause that's a lot of money and a lot of work and it may not be really necessary. I'd, I'd give it at least another three or four weeks. So did you have St. Augustine or what kind of grass did you have in there? Yeah. St. Yeah, Augustine, St. Augustine. It was real nice. And then I was last year, last summer, I just got some terrible and, and and it just kills it. And yeah. my wife and I want to resod it, but we want to till it, till that whole. It's not a very big area. Yeah. But we want to go ahead and till it, and then treat it, and and, and then resod it. I well, mean, it's probably a pallet of grass. Or yeah. Something. If you want to resod, that's just fine. Now, don't don't worry about necessarily killing all the weeds. Mow them off, and you know, rake up enough to where your grass is going to make or your new grass is going to make good contact with the soil underneath. But uh, that new grass is going to smother out any weeds that are there, and I sure wouldn't use any toxic weed killers of any sort. Just set your mower as low as it'll go, mow off everything, and just kind of rake that off to the side and uh, get your new sod. Be sure you get one of those water-fillable rollers to press it very tightly against the soil underneath, and be sure that you put out some whole-ground cornmeal because any new grass that comes in may bring in a little bit of brown patch fungus with it, especially at this time of the year. So, so would I need to till that, that, that no, dirt? No. All you need to do is uh, have enough dirt exposed that your new grass makes good contact with it. If you start tilling, you're just going to mess up everything from tree roots to sprinkler lines to, you know, some of these companies bringing in cable and things like that. That is so close to the surface of the soil, and uh, and tillers don't do real well when it comes to pipes and cables. Okay. So anything yeah. to treat that? treat that weed right now or there's there's nothing i should use to i would i would just mow it off low don't go with any of the poisons or they'll slow down the growth on your new grass if you want to just spray with vinegar and orange oil that'll kill it all but if you're gonna resaw it i think it's just more work than you need to do i'd i just set your mower as low as possible mow them off then i would probably rake up as much of that material as you can because it's just it's so important that your new grass make good contact with the soil underneath and uh, you can just pretty much have instant new lawn out there. All righty. Well, thank you. Appreciate the, the the tips. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Ernest. I appreciate the call. We're still talking gardening. It's uh, Loretta first and then Sean. Good morning, Loretta. Hi, Bob. Hi there. I have just a few questions. We okay. have a Mexican olive that is beautiful. It blooms beautifully. But we just noticed the three-inch uh, diameter them the trunk split what uh pete kind of just roped it off and held it but is there any kind of a dressing or anything that we should use no uh, no i wouldn't well, worry about it it will heal itself and sometimes uh, when we have a lot of moisture a tree simply yeah. splits its bark that central core of the tree starts absorbing moisture 
and uh, it's it's kind of like a lizard or snake shedding its skin. It just swells up and kind of cracks along the edge. But I can almost promise you, your Mexican olive is already laying down that callus material. And as long as the foliage looks good, uh, I I keep an eye out. Be sure you don't see any wood ants coming or going in there. If you see any of that, I'd probably spray some spinosad. But uh, this is sort of a normal thing, especially when we're in a very wet period. And I don't think yeah. you really need to do a thing. Okay. Well, you know what happened. I know those huge leaves. We had so much rain here. Yeah. And one of the long uh, branches broke. Oh, so okay. I kind of attributed to that. Okay. Well, so that may now- be contributing, but, uh, um, and you may end up, uh, I mean, kind of split it back up if you can. But um, you may lose that one limb off of it, but it will grow out and fill in that area very completely, given a little time. Okay. Now, I finally gave up with my knockout roses, took them all out. I need something that will bloom, and it gets the west sun, the evening sun. It faces the west. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know the proper name of this particular bush, but it's beautiful. I used to call it a Chinese fringe. You know, it has yeah. that kind of... Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's that's a good plant. The proper name is Laura Petalum, but if you ask for Chinese fringe flower, people will know what you're looking for, and it's a beautiful plant. Now, it doesn't have a long bloom period. If you want something that will give you more flowers over a longer period of time, look at some of the new, more compact Esperanzas. Uh, they're oranges and reds and gold, as well as the old standard yellow, and some of them that only grow about five or six feet tall. So that's something that would give you flowers all summer that might be pretty, might even be pretty in combination with your Chinese French flower. Okay. You know the Esperanza we bought last year from you, that orange one, uh-huh. never froze. It's oh, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. It's incredible. I can't believe it. When, <laughs> you know, when my, I, I just don't believe it. But anyway, one other question. Okay, well, I, I kind of figured, but the Esperanza might just grow a little too tall for that area. I was even thinking of maybe, um, oh, what's the other one? The, the Pride the, of Barbados? Well, that or else the, um, God, we have them all over San Antonio. They bloom beautifully and they grow big, but they have new ones that are, are shorter. Yeah, well, uh, bougainvilleas, and there are lots of different ones. Yeah. Okay, well, I needed to ask you quickly about the uh, tryptogramma wasp. Uh-huh. When, when is the time we have property that has about 10 beautiful well if you're and i let me do this quickly because i need to get uh, sean on here but if you're worried about web worms put out your trichogramma in about may or so if you're worried about leaf rollers and uh, pecan case bearers you can put those out any time and the trichogramma are available now so we can talk tomorrow if we need to talk more right now sean good morning hi sean uh yeah i I had a question you hear me yeah, just fine. Uh, yeah. Okay. Do you what about uh, uh, army worms uh, on you know oats in the fall? Is there on a, a large scale? Um, you can, and that's interesting. Loretta was just asking about this little non-stinging wasp called a trichogramma, mm-hmm. and uh, you can put those out, and they will take care of virtually all caterpillar problems, including the army worms. And uh, it's simply a little strip that you hang out in the tree, this little 
oh, almost almost microscopic wash destroys the eggs of the army worms and so many other things. That's going to be the first line of defense. There's also a non-toxic spray called Spinosad that if the weather's right to have a number of them, uh, that'll take care of them. But typically, if you put out your uh, uh, your trichogram in the spring, you won't have the army worms in the fall. Okay. All right. Uh, do you know kind of a rate? I mean, like, I mean, yeah, you you put out if you're hanging out the little cards, you do about five per acre. 